Thank you, Eddie. And I'll now ask uh, Brother Alan to come forward and uh, share the, uh, the message God's given you. And I'm going to turn this off. Is that right? Yes, please. Right. Take it right out for you. There you go. Right out. Doesn't make that much, never mind to me, but it does apparently affect other people. Are we... Should I have a little blue light flickering here? Because I haven't. Yeah, you're on. I'm on. Okay, terrific. Thank you. Please turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke. As we continue through the book of Luke, we are now looking at... Luke. Yeah, there's Luke. Yeah, I know what I mean. Okay. Yes, it is indeed the book of Luke, and we're looking at chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 22. It's the next incident as we move through the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. And before we open the word of God, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your instruction, for your teaching, for the comfort it provides, for the way it enlightens our lives and our minds. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds now. Give us calmness, give us peace to understand and eyes to see. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 8 verse 22. This is an interesting passage because there are many things in Scripture when we read the stories about Christ and the messages that he spoke where we can see the connection to the Old Testament. You think of the number of times where it's, it's said in Scripture, it says in the New Testament, and this happened that it might be fulfilled as the Scripture, as the prophets had said. You know, there's a connection to the Old Testament. In other times, we, we look at the things that Jesus did and we can see a connection to the Old Testament. For instance, uh, you know, we, we read where he, he heals a leper and we think, oh yes, in the Old Testament, Naaman the Syrian was healed. Uh, or we, we read how he raises someone from the dead and we think, oh yes, the, the story of, uh, of Elijah, how he, he, he raised the little boy who was dead. You know, I can see the connection there. Or, or where we read how the, the 5,000 were fed and we think, oh yeah, the connection there where, where Moses fed the children of Israel in the wilderness. And we can see connections. We can see where they, they, they link up. But this is a story and an incident without parallel in the Old Testament. There is nothing like this anywhere else in scripture it's unique there is nothing like this had ever happened before or since that's remarkable what was happening well in verse 22 it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples okay where are they they're in Capernaum, okay? They're in Capernaum, and it says he went into a ship. You know, when, when Mark records this incident, he says they went into the ship. 
not just any ship, but the specific particular ship. Whose ship? Peter's. Well, it, it, it makes sense. This was the ship that he preached from. This was the ship he'd used as a pulpit. This was the ship that they'd gone out and had the, the wonderful net-filling time of fishes where they, they had so many that the net broke. This is the time where Peter learned not what I know, but what you say, Lord, and had his faith rewarded. It was this ship. It was not any old ship. They went into the ship, the one ship they knew with his disciples and he said unto them let us go over unto the other side of the lake and they launched forth now when they get to the other side there's a whole new story going to happen there and in I don't know four or six weeks whenever I'm back again we'll get to, to that passage but this is they, they've launched out into the lake but as they sailed he fell asleep he fell asleep. You ever wanted proof that Jesus Christ was human? That he was a man as well as being God? He got tired and he fell asleep. Unusual for what? Why, why was he tired? Well, he'd been preaching and teaching all day. This is immediately after the time when he's been teaching these parables he's tired it's also recorded that he went even as he was in other words he, he hadn't had time to change he hadn't had time to have a meal he went in and they went across the lake he was tired he was hungry he was possibly cold you know the wind gets up off the the the, uh, the water sometimes and he went to the hind part of the ship where the steersman has a, a little bench to sit on and there was a pillow there and he lay down and he fell asleep cold and hungry and tired he slept and there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy now the, these winds come down very frequently from the mountains down onto the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is shallow. Okay? One of the things that makes it a good sea, from, from their point of view, was it, it wasn't really, really deep. So the sunlight penetrated to the bottom. You had good growth of, of microorganisms. That's why it was such a fertile fishing ground. You know, the water ran down from the, the mountains and kept it, it topped up. It was a great spot. It was very, very, very uh, productive. But it had one problem, that when the winds came down across the top of this water, it could get very rough and stormy very, very quickly. Now, I don't know any, anybody here who's a, who's a bit of a sailing nut, anybody who likes to get out on, you know, and that murky wet stuff and risk your life in boats not me no I like I like it nice and dry and firm I've had unfortunate experiences in lakes <laughs> the, this 
that this was not a storm caused by someone careering around with a, 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 a wave rider. No, no. This was a windstorm. And it came down and it began to build up. And the reason why it built up so fast was because the lake was shallow. Okay? This is a problem with shallow lakes, that they get choppy very quickly. The Great Lakes between America and Canada are renowned for these very fierce, quick storms that can come up for exactly the same reason. They're shallow. And the wind comes in and these waves can build up very fast. We are talking in a matter of 10 or 15 minutes, a storm can blow up out of nowhere and make these, the Sea of Galilee very, very dangerous. Now, there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Verse 24, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we, we perish. Now, you gotta, why did they say that? Well, there are several reasons. Maybe they thought he could do something. Maybe, as some have suggested, they're saying, Master, it's time, you know, abandon ship. It's dangerous. We're perishing. Yet they didn't want to have him caught asleep as the boat sank. That it was out of concern for Jesus that they were saying this. We don't really know, but they, they woke him up and they said, Master, the boat's sinking. We're perishing. And he arose and rebuked the wind rebuked the wind now in my time in various industries and various places I have heard a lot of shall we say colourful language I have heard men swear at many things I have even heard them curse the wind but I have never heard anyone rebuke the wind rebuking the wind how do you do that I remember a few years ago I was out at, at Ian Amory's place and we were out herding up some rounding up some sheep and Ian had a dog that stage and this was the most evil looking animal that I have ever come across it had you know one eye was looking out that way and one eye was looking out that way it, it looked like it was the offspring of some evil wolf creature and, and I don't know what was, Tasmanian devils, I think. It was a seriously mean, ugly dog. And he was the only person who could control it. He, he told me, you know, if you're ever going to feed this thing, you know, water it with the hose from a good distance off and just throw the food towards it. Don't ever let it off the chain. Uh, okay. But it, it, it obeyed him. And we were out there and the dog was out and it did something wrong. Now, Ian is a very gentle, sweet man. But he, he looked at that animal and he said, Get back behind and get out! I thought, wow, wow, I've never seen, I've never heard him talk like this. And the dog cringed and crept down and I thought, what? Rebuked. Rebuked. 
And I sometimes wonder if that's what Jesus said. Did he look up at the storm and say, sit down and behave yourself? He rebuked the wind. An amazing thought. And the raging of the water. In Matthew, when he records this, he says he didn't rebuke the water. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Peace, be still. That's not a rebuke. That's not a rebuke. That's what you say to a little kid who's upset and throwing a tantrum. You come and you put your arms around them and say, Shh, quiet, relax, be calm. Do you know why? Do you know why Jesus didn't rebuke the waves? Because it wasn't the waves' fault. The waves were pushed by the wind. The storm was the wind's fault. It wasn't the waves' fault. So he rebukes the wind and calms the waves and says, Shh, quiet, peace, be still. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, to the disciples, Where is your faith? Where is your faith? What was their faith in? Was their faith in the boat? Was their faith in their skill as seamen? As sailors, was their faith in Christ? Wherever their faith was, it was lacking. He said, where was your faith? And we'll come to what he meant by that in a moment. And they wondered, saying to one another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth the winds and the water, and they obey him. What manner of man is this? It's an unusual expression. We found the same word is actually used in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. But there it said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath shed, hath given. What manner? It's the same expression. Literally, it means, where is it from? You would say the same question if you heard a person speak with a strange accent. You would say, what manner of person is this? Literally, it meant, what country is this guy from? That's an unusual expression to use concerning Christ. What they were saying was, where did he come from that he could do these things? You, you hear that as a, an expression, you know. Sometimes you see someone do something unusual and you hadn't noticed them before and you go, where did he come from? Well, you know where he came from. It's an expression. I haven't really had, had a grip on, on what this person is yet. Where, 
what is going on here? He commands the winds and the water and they obey him. Well, who is he that he commands the winds and the water and they obey him? Have a look back in the book of Psalms, chapter 8, the 8th Psalm. Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Remember that son of man was the favourite title that Christ ever gave himself. It was his preferred title was son of man. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honour. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. It's getting prophetic now of the future time of Christ. All sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. You know, that's what boats do. They pass through the paths of the seas. And God hath put all things under the dominion of Christ, including those things which pass through the paths of the seas. And the seas themselves are under his dominion. What manner of man is this? This is the one whom God said would be in dominion over all things. Now, things to learn from this lesson. Things to understand from this passage. As I said, nothing like it ever happened in scripture before. Or again, that one could command the winds and the waves and they obey him. Nothing like it ever. First of all, if you look back at verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. When Jesus sends you, you go. That's what I like about these disciples. You know, they didn't say, oh, you reckon it's a good idea? There might be a storm. Jesus said, we're off on the other side of the lake. And they went. When Jesus sends you, you go. But notice what he said. He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. Now what didn't he say? He didn't say, let's go out in the middle of the lake and drown. Maybe that's what he meant when he said, where's your faith? Jesus sends us, we go, and we have his promise that we will arise. And we will arrive where he sends us. He has said to us these great and precious promises that where I am, there you will be also. 
not you might make it if you're one of the fortunate ones or that if you really work hard you'll get there no he says if you believe then you will be in heaven with me no ifs no buts no maybes in the same way he said let us arise and go to the other side of the lake how they got there well that was another matter but they were going to get to the other side of the lake by divine decree because he had said we're going when Jesus Christ comes into your heart and says you will be with me in heaven it's guaranteed fixed going to happen no chance no chance you get dropped off halfway through the lake and drown not going to be there you are going to be guaranteed your place the second thing is there'll be storms on the way guaranteed between this side of the lake and the other side of the lake when we rest in glory storms will come nothing surer storms are going to come into your life as a Christian they're going to sweep down out of the mountains when you weren't expecting them when you're happily going across the lake thinking yeah what a beautiful day bang you're going to be hit by a storm in your life the waves are going to come up the wind is going to blow and you are going to despair that you will ever make it through now for the theologians amongst you let's, let's have a little look at something we said the sea the storm is caused by the wind in these places pastor's been telling us in Revelation that the sea is a symbol of the world of the Gentile nations that we live in we are told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 that the world is controlled by the prince of the power of the air the storm is the wind blowing the water the storms in your life are when Satan whips up the world around you and you despair that you'll ever make it across the storms in our life come from the prince of the power of the air stirring up the world that we live in now they're sailing across the storm comes up there's a storm on the lake and it says in verse 23 that they were filled with water filled with water did you watch the Jessica what's her name come in last yesterday in the boat yeah most of you did right what a girl I mean that's that's pretty fantastic coming in but I thought okay boats where was her boat it was on the water that's the correct place for a boat boats move really really badly on land they, they just don't seem to have the same sort of movement when you put them on land the proper place for a boat is on the water 
I'll tell you, the wrong place for the water is in the boat. You think, wow, what's this? Sailing 101? But that, think about it. The boat needs to be in the water, but the water doesn't need to be in the boat. Remember, we're told the water represents the world. The right place for the Christian is in the world. The wrong place for the world is in the Christian. That's not where it's supposed to be. We are to be in this world, but not of this world, as we're told in John. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we're told, Love not the world, neither things the things that are in the world. Don't love what you're sailing in. You can respect it, you can fear it, don't love it. Christian, remember you're in the world, but don't let the world be in you. The boat was in the world and the jeopardy was that the boat was in the water, but the problem was the water was in the boat. Then the storm comes. The storm comes and they awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. They called him. What did they call him? Master. Are you going to call upon Jesus Christ when the world begins to swamp you and you start to despair and you're going, I'm perishing here. I just don't have a clue what I'm going to do and how I'm going to handle this. When you're about to go under and you call upon Jesus Christ, you'd better call him Master. He is not some genie you can summon up to solve your problems. He is either the master of the situation or he's not. He's either the master of your life or he's not. And so if you're going to call upon Jesus Christ, call him master. That's the first step. Say master, master. We perish. Then you watch what he will do and what he can do. He rebukes the wind, the waves. There's a great calm. And he says to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? What are you putting your faith in? to get you from one side of this world to the other side of this world, what are you putting your faith in? Where's your faith? Is it in your skill? The first thing that these men trusted was their own skill as sailors. They were professional sailors. They knew these boats. They knew these waters. They were good at their job. They had to be. I think it's a, it a common saying that there are old sailors, there are bold sailors, but there are no old, bold sailors. If you're going to be an old sailor, you need to be a smart and a cautious one. 
These men were old sailors. They were clever, professionals. But their skill didn't help them here. People's skills will not get them across to the end of their lives. To the safe harbour on the other side. Your skill, your cleverness, your wisdom and your abilities will not help. To be trusting in your own ability is foolishness when the storms of life come. Abilities are nice. I wish I had some more of them. But they won't get you through to the harbour. We look at our skills and our abilities and need to realise when we look back at our life and what has happened in our lives Perhaps we should remember what my friend Omar said, that we look back and see that the moving finger has written our lives and moved on and all our skills and wit will not lure it back to cancel half a line and all our tears will not wash out a word of it. Your skills and your abilities, your labours, your tears will not get you through to the end of, the of your life and the harbour of heaven. Won't do it. What about your crew? The people with you? They're no better than you are. They've got no more chance of getting through on their own than you have. And even grouped together, you won't get through. You know, I, I, I trust he will, he will understand. I think he does. But pastor, this church won't save anybody. Won't do it. Now, I reckon this is the best church around. If I found a better one, I'd probably go there. <coughs> I come here because I think this is the best church I can come to. But it won't save you. This church will not save your soul. It can't. What about your ship? If your skill won't save you, if the crew won't save you, will your ship save you? Your stuff, your things... They won't save you either. He who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine does not need your stuff. God has run his church for centuries on widow's mites and he doesn't need you. It's a scary thought that God doesn't need us. We need him. It is a privilege, a privilege to be part of his church and given the opportunity to serve him. Where is your faith? What have you put your faith in 
when the storms have come into your life. It had better be that you go and say, Master, Master, we perish. That's what will keep you going through this, these storms. For when he says, Peace, be still, it says there's a calm. In fact, in Matthew, it says there's a great calm. You know, they did, they, there wasn't even enough wind to push the boat along. They had to row to get to the other side. Because when Jesus says, peace, be still, there's a calm. There's a great calm. Have you ever seen those people who in the midst of all the trial and tribulation of the world have that great calm? They may not be too sure of what's happening around them, but they know what is happening within them. There's a peace. There's a calm. There is a peace which passes all understanding and it is available to those who will say, Master, Master, we perish. It is not available to those who trust in their own skill and ability. It is not available to those who would trust in the people they associate with. It is not available to those who trust in the stuff they possess. For those things are temporary and empty and will not avail you in the storms of life. What manner of man is this? I'll tell you, he's the son of God. That's what manner of man he is. He's the son of God which came down from heaven and he has the ability to change your life. He has the ability to change your life from within and he has the ability to change your life where it's going. He has called to his people and said, let us go over to the other side. If you have heard his call and you will put your faith and trust in him, there is a guarantee of a safe arrival on the other side of the lake. No matter what the storms are, no matter what the winds are, no matter who is arrayed against us, if God be for us, who can be against us? There is a guarantee of arrival. There is a guarantee of safety through the winds and the storms of life. But the question is, where's your faith and what's it put in? You got storms in your life today? You know, some people... <coughs> Some people I can tell when the storms come. You know, I, I had a, a, a girl I worked with one time and uh, she had a little cold sore just, just there, just a little tiny one. But you know something? She'd come into work on a Monday morning and I'd go, Helen, bad weekend. She'd go, how did you know? 
Because every time she had a hard week, things had upset her, the little cold sore would, would flare up. And if she had a good weekend, and you know, things had gone really well, it had shrink down really tiny. Oh, I think it was been about six months before she tweaked to how I could tell how, how things were going in her life. But it was, as, it was good as a flashing light. Some people, you can tell when they've hit the storms. Other people, they're like ducks. You ever see the ducks? They sail along the top of the water. They look so calm and so peaceful, but underneath everything is moving like crazy. That's, that's what some people are like. And we've got both types here. Which type are you? Do people know when you get upset or do you hide it? Do people think, wow, they're so calm and cool and they're so got it all together? God knows. God knows whether the storms in your life are deep inside and no one knows about it. God knows whether the storms in your life are on the surface and everybody can tell. God knows all about the storms that are sweeping your heart right now. There may be nobody else who knows about it, but God does. You may be the person that everybody thinks is just got it so well connected and so much together, but God knows about those storms. Those, God knows about those times when you're by yourself and you stare up at the ceiling and say, Master, we perish here. And nobody knows, nobody cares. God knows. God cares. Call upon him today. Say to him, Master, we perish. Put your faith and trust in the one who can rebuke the winds and the storms of the world and you will find a calm and a peace that you will have never encountered before. A peace which passes all understanding. He says, my peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. Not like the world has it. But I give you a special kind of peace that comes from knowing your heart is right with God. That there's a guaranteed arrival on the other side of the lake. And no matter what storm comes, you're safe with the master truly they called him master and he was master of the winds master of the waves master of all things that he is around tell me today is he your master is he the master of your life will he control your direction Will he guide you safely into that harbour or are you still trusting in your own stuff, your own skill and your own ship? Storm's coming. If they're not here already, they're on their way. The, the glass is dropping, the wind force is coming in, the Beaufort scale's going up and storms are coming into your life. Are you ready for them? Is the master in the boat with you? If he's not, call on him today. Talk to me. Talk to Brother Frank. Talk to somebody about it and say, I need the peace 
that passes all understanding. It's available for all those who will call upon the Master. He's ready and willing and waiting to hear your call. Thank you.